All right. Good morning. What's going on, my beautiful people? Happy Wednesday to you. Um, it's your boy, Eddie D. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show. Um, I'm going to be with you guys from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. this morning. Um, if you are down here, um, like the rest of us here um, in South Georgia and, and um, in, the, in all of Florida, we're in the middle of the Hurricane Adalia right now. Um, and it is storming like a mug, and um, it's one of those beautiful things where it's a beautiful, it's beauty to see, but it can also turn really bad in a heartbeat. And so, you know, we're just going to kind of gauge it. Don't know how long my internet is going to run, or if the tower is going to go down, or whatever the case is. But we're going to run this show, um, and you know, just hope that everything goes well from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then hunker down and ride this storm out until um, until it's over. So. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Wednesday this morning. Thank you already for the like. I appreciate that so, so much. Um, we got a jam-packed show for you today, um, and I'm excited to be um, in this space among you guys and hope that you're able to get um, something out of this and that it'll edify, edify your souls and um, give you something um, to move forward with throughout your day. Um and so, again, thank you so much for your viewership. Thank you for your time. And I hope that, you know, we're able to enjoy this experience together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, you know, agnostics and atheists are welcome. Come on in. Um, we'd love to talk to you as well. Um, and we're going to jump right in um, to our day for today. I'm glad I got to start on time. I didn't start late today. Like, we're making progress. And so um, let me do this, this thing real quick. Um there we go. So that way people can see um, exactly what's um, going on in, in real space. Um, but yeah, so we're going to start our day off with going into 1 John chapter 4 um, and talking about love. Uh, God was ministering to me this morning, early um, this morning when I um, woke up, um, talking about, you know, him being you know, love. And I really wanted to, um, and he just kind of just ministered to me about what his love is, what it represents, what it means. And, and so just wanted to kind of jump into that today. Um, starting at verse number seven in first John chapter four, it says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love God, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us, given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, ab God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever, whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. 
By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And so um, in, in, this, in this passage, we see that John understands, you know, this, this, this deep, this deep, deep connection with God to where he understands and unpacks what it means to be loved by God and to then love one another. We, we say that the greatest commandments are to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And the second is like unto it that, you know, that we love one another. And what he tells us in this is that, you know, we think that we know what love is. We think that we have this idea. We think that we that we know exactly what the what what love can be. You know, we look out into the world and we look out at society. We listen to love songs and we li- watch romantic movies and we you know watch you know family sitcoms if you if those things ever really exist anymore. Um, and we think that we have this idea of what love is supposed to be. But what the scripture tells us today is that, you know, unless we have a relationship with God, we cannot know what it fully means to love and to be loved and to love. And so what God is telling us today in this in this scripture here is that, you know, in order for us to know what love really is, we have to have a relationship with God. And the relationship with God is such to where he shows us what perfect love looks like. In that, when God sent his only son into the world, he sent him so that we might live through him. And in this is, in this is, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so what God tells us today, um, oh, um, Johnny, we're coming out of um, 1 John chapter 4, um, verses 7 through 21. Um, And what he tells us in the word is that what he's telling us is that, you know, love is such to where if we look upon Christ and what he accomplished for us, we see that that's what love truly is, that you're willing to sacrifice for the sake of someone else, that Christ being in, 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 in form, all God made himself of no reputation, as it says in Philippians chapter two, made himself, made, put himself in a human body and became sin for us. Second Corinthians chapter five, that we might become the righteousness of God. He, he was obedient even to death. 
and sacrifice himself on the cross so that we may be able to call ourselves the sons and daughters of God. Um, and in doing so, allows us this space and opportunity to know what it means to truly be loved by the creator and to have a, pull, a full and perfect picture of what God is. Furthermore, someone had asked yesterday, you know, do we know who God is and do we know what he is? That even, even though we can't see him, Christ is the image of the invisible God. And so everything that God is, Christ is. So if you look to Jesus, we can see exactly who God is. But even if we didn't have that, um, which we do, but even if we didn't have that, all one would have to do is turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because, no, I'm, saying, I'm sorry, chapter 13, when it, when it talks about um, what love, what, when Paul talks about what love is, um, in verse 4, it says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Um, verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And all throughout scripture, you see that Paul and you see God and you see Christ. They all talk about the same thing. They talk about love. And love being the thing that binds everything together. And if we are to believe, though in the words of John, when John says God is love, then what that tells us is that, you know, God is the key. Christ is the key to knowing and understanding and embracing and embodying and in being empowered by and moving in perfect love. Perfect love that casts out fear. The perfect love that lets us know that we abide in God, the love that allows us to forgive our brothers and sisters, despite, you know, how they may treat us or despite how they may use us, that allows us to reach out to our fellow man and to help them in times of need and help them in times of crisis <clears throat> that get, that allows us to be able to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be able to give everyone the hope that God has given us. That if we are willing and able to go and to share with, uh, you know, the, the things that God has, you know, has bestowed upon us with others, that it gives others the opportunity to know and to, and to feel and to believe and to understand exactly who Christ is. Um, and so we thank God today that he reminds us of the love that he has given to us by Christ's sacrifice on the cross, because, again, he didn't have to. He didn't have to do this for us, but he did it in so much that he loved us so much that he was willing to get on a cross and die for us. And so, you know, um, let me see real quick. And so we're so we're grateful to God and we're grateful that God gives us this opportunity to really revel in and bathe in and bask in the love of God. 
Christ himself said in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, um, and I'd rather read them um, um, than, to just, than, to, than to quote them, um, but he tells us, um, here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because of their, e their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever, do whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so we hear, we hear in a lot of the scriptures saying that we, you know, that we abide in God. We abide in God. We you know, we come into our relationship with God and we are abiding in him. So we abide in his love. We abide in his grace. We abide in his mercy. And God loves us so that despite our faults, <clears throat> despite our flaws and despite our limitations and despite our shortcomings and our misgivings, you know, we are the, we become the children of God and in becoming the children of God you know, God has sent his son into the world to not condemn us, but that we might be saved, that we, you know, that he cancels out the debt. He cancels out the sin debt that we owe by virtue of being in this world and doing things contrary to the will of God. Um, and in doing so, he shows us that perfect love that he has for us, that even though he may have us dead to rights, he still loves us so much so that he got on a cross and died and rose again so that we may become the righteousness of God, that we may be the children of God, that we may be the sons and daughters of God, that we may be called beloved. We may be called heirs. We may be called joint heirs. We may be called, um, you know, um, you know, adored. We may be called worthy. We may be called righteous. We may be called valid. We may be called validated. God has done all these things for us by being both just and the justifier. And that is what love looks like. That is what love feels like. This is what love allows us to be. This is what, this is what love allows us to do. To be able to love one another, it requires that we know God and, and love God in a way that allows us to know exactly what love is. Um, again, we have an idea of what love is, and intrinsically within all of us, we can feel, you know, what love is supposed to look like within our hearts. But without a full understanding of who God is and what, well, not, and I don't want to call it a full understanding because we'll never fully understand um, until Christ comes back. Our our understanding will not be made perfect until we until he comes back for us, but um, until he has ransomed our hearts and replaced the heart of stone with a heart of flesh, Ezekiel chapter 36, until he's done that work in us, we will never fully um, appreciate, I think is the word, we will never fully appreciate the magnitude 
of the love that God has for us. We will never fully appreciate the magnitude of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. We will never understand the magnitude of the credit that Christ gives to us. You know, he took on sin for us. Yes, he did that. But also what he did is he lived a perfect life. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He lived a life in full obedience to God from the time he was born to the time that he got on the cross and then rose again. You know, he lived the life that we could never live. You know, when people talk about, you know, living a good life, you know, and that making them worthy of being a part of the kingdom, what they fail to understand about that is that, you know, our hearts are, are hardwired um, through, through, through the original sin. We are hardwired to do what we want to do. We are, we are hardwired to do whatever our agenda is. And so even if you are a good person, a good person is still driven by an ego and still driven by an agenda. And sometimes that agenda is contrary to what God wants us to do, to what God wants us to be, to how God wants us to live. As a result, we are still counted as unworthy to gain entry into the kingdom on our works alone. Christ, however, when he, from the time he was born to the time that he, you know, ascended into heaven, you know, his agenda has always been God's agenda. It's never been his own agenda. It's never been what he wanted to do. It's never been, I'm going to do something apart from what my father is telling me to do. It's, he's always been about his father's business. He's always been about his father's will. He's always been about his father's way. And he never deviated from that. That is what it means to live the perfect life, to live a life going straight for God's heart and going straight into God's agenda and saying, this is all that I'm going to do. I'm not going to deviate to the left. I'm not going to deviate to the right. I'm not going to use the, the power that I have in being the, you know, the prince of the universe and take advantage of that. As it says in um, Philippians chapter two, he could have done anything that he wanted to do, but he chose to live the life that we couldn't live and live in perfect lockstep with with God and say, I'm going to do everything that God tells me to do. I'm going to be everything that God tells me to be. I'm not going to move, deviate to the left. I'm not going to deviate to the right. Whatever God says, that is what I'm going to do. And as a result, he lived the life that we couldn't live. But then he didn't take that upon himself and say, now that I've lived the perfect life, you know, yay me. Instead, he says, in exchange for your, um, for our wickedness, in exchange for our sin, in exchange for wanting to do things our way, trying to put ourselves on the throne and trying to live as masters and commanders of our own universe and not, you know, submitting to the righteousness of God and not submitting to the throne of God. I, if you repent and believe, you denounce all other gods, denounce all other agendas, denounce all sin passions, all desires, all lusts, and turn your face toward me. Say to yourself, as it said, as as if in a marriage, I am not. I'm now no longer going to submit myself to any other person 
any other thing, any other, you know, concept. I'm, I'm solely sold out for you. And I'm pushing all of my chips in and believing in you. I'm staking my entire existence on you. One Upon repentance and belief, I will credit you the perfect life that I lived so that it gains you entry into the kingdom. It doesn't get any better than that. That the God of the universe says, I'm going to give you and credit to you my perfection so that you are now in the kingdom despite your imperfection. That I'm going to give you the perfect A. I'm going to give you the 100. Even though you got, even though you, you flunked, you, you failed bad. I'm going to give you the 100. And that gains you entry into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to authenticate you by virtue of placing the Holy Spirit inside of you that authenticates your relationship, authenticates your walk with me. And in doing so, I'm going to accredit that to you in exchange for your wickedness, in exchange for your um for for your sin and the debt that's owed. And that's what makes getting on that cross that much more spectacular because that is the death that we deserve. We don't deserve, we don't, not just the crucifixion, but descending into hell. That's what Christ did for us. He descended into the place of no return. When we think, when we truly think about what hell is, you know, when we truly think about being in a space where God is not, where God is absent, like Christ, that is a place of no return. It says in scripture that there is a great chasm between heaven and hell with that no man can cross. Because if so, all of us in heaven be trying to pull everybody out of there. Be like, no, I don't want you down there because that's how much love we have for them. And the ones that are down there be trying to find a way up, trying to find a way out. I don't know if it's up, but trying to find a way out. There's a great chasm in between there. And Christ entered that place, entered the space of no return. And in doing so, he became sin for us and then conquered that space by coming out of that place. The place of no return, he returned from that place. And so again, he died the death that we deserved, crediting us with the perfect life that he lived so that we can gain entry into the kingdom without fear. So that's when we when he says in um in first John chapter four, going back to that place again, um, when he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We don't fear hell. We don't fear punishment. We don't fear death because Christ already took care of that for us. If we believe in him, Christ already canceled that debt. So that perfect love that he has for us, it casts out the fear. I don't have to worry anymore about whether or not whether where my soul is going to end up. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to burn forever because I have a relationship that is so secure in him, secure in God, you know, in such a in such a powerful and magnanimous way that I no longer live. I no longer walk on eggshells worried about, oh, no, is a lightning bolt about to strike me down? Because, again, that's not that's not that's not how God's love works. One, two and more importantly. In relationship with him, I no longer have to fear the ultimate death because Christ has already died that death for me. And yo, then though I may die in this life, I'm going to live again in the life to come. And so that makes me 
you know, that makes me, you know, so joyous in that Christ's love is perfected. It's, it's perfected. It's already done. It's already written. It's already finished. And all he's asking me to do is to repent and believe. And in doing so, I'm now ushered into a perfect love. And that is the love that God gives us that we are now able to share and pour out into the world and give to the world to let them know, dude, you are loved. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Oh, Musa, you're all right. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome back to the live. I appreciate you. You know, that, you know, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. You know, God loves us and wants a relationship with us. It doesn't get any better than that. That the God of the universe has made it such to where we can have an intimate relationship with him. That he's not just some, you know, infinite being that's just hovering over us and looking down upon us, but that he's actually walking with us every single day, much like Adam and Eve when they got to walk alongside God in the garden. Now, mind you, we don't see him, but he lives inside of us by virtue of the Holy Spirit. Wherever we are, there he is. Um, they, I think I think it was David. It might have been Asaph. I'm not sure. But he said, "If where, where can I go that you're not? If I ascend to the skies and in, in the heavens above, there you are. If I make my bed in hell, there you are. Like no matter where I am, there you are. I can't escape you. No matter where I where, no matter where I go, you are going to be there. God sees all. He knows all. And so I can't escape him anyway. But the God of the universe says, I want to have an intimate relationship with you. I want to, I want you to know me just like as much as much as a human can possibly know God. I want to know I want you to get to know me in a deep and intimate and personal way. And I want and, and in doing so, he replaces the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And the more that we delight ourselves in God, the more he gives us of his spirit and gives of uh, gives of his love, of his grace, of his patience, of his kindness, to where our our heart's posture becomes more like you know Paul's posture when he says, "But you know, I counted all as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord." Like, dude, like when when we when you really are connected to God. You want to know him and you want to love him and you want to just, you know, get so steep into him. I was listening to this one guy yesterday and um, on, on, on TikTok and he was saying that, you know, how do I get to know God more? And he said, just look to Paul. And what did Paul say um, in, um, in uh, Philippians chapter three? He said it like this. He said that um, in verse number 10, um, well, I'm going to start at verse number, um, verse number eight. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
that by any means possible, I may attain the um, resurrection from the dead. Paul was saying in that, in that, in that, um, in that, in that, that we, as we are becoming more and more like him and being molded and shaped into the image of our creator from one degree of glory to the next, we are being hammered and we are being chiseled and we are being shaped and we are being forged to look more like Christ. And as a result, we are dying to our flesh every single day. Like we, we are, we are no longer, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. You know, I have, you know, you know, laid my desires to the side and said, no, I want more of God. And that is a daily pursuit that we go through every single day, constantly going through the path, going through the, um, the, the process of sanctification. You know, we, we have to, we sometimes have to say no every second when it comes to some of the things that we want to do that are not aligned with who we are as the believers in God. We'll sometimes find ourselves in a place where it's like, dude, I really want to do this thing. I really wish I could do this. I really wish I could do that. But the love that we have for God, which is God's love that he gives that he gives to us, supersedes the things that we want to do to where we are um, to, to where we are actively struggling well, fighting well to put sin to death. Again, as it says in Colossians chapter three, it's one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite scriptures. Matter of fact, I'm going to just read it to y'all. It's one of my favorite um, scriptures in, um, in all of the Bible when it, because it paints the picture of the daily pursuit that we have of the people of God um, in, in being sanctified. He says, <clears throat> if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things on that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. It's like, you know, God is so good to us, that he gives us the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to fight the good fight of faith, to be able to, to struggle well against our passions and against our lusts and again and against our, you know, our, our former our former lives, the way that we used to live, the way that we used to be, the way that we used to think. You know, we are able to, with the love of Christ ruling in us richly, able to walk out our faith 
and in doing so, um, live this life from one from one degree of glory to the next. And in living from one degree of glory to the next, we are able to walk out our faith um, by actively seeking Christ in everything that we say and do. Not not having an agenda that is our, of our own, but being on God's agenda. God, what do you have for me to do? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to know? Give me more of you. I desire nothing else more than I desire you. You are my greatest treasure. You are my greatest delight. You are my greatest joy. Give me more of you. And at the same time, we're pulling out our swords and we're pulling out our, you know, our, our, our brass knuckles and our gats and all that stuff. And we're looking at sin and we're actively fighting this thing every single day saying, I no longer want, I know I'm no longer married to you. I'm no longer a part of you. I no longer want anything to do with you. And if at any time that we find ourselves falling short or fall or, or, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, feeling some type of way about our sin in terms of like wanting to indulge or wanting to turn back. There is a godly grief that will be produced inside of us that will lead us to repentance. Because even though the initial repentance is, you know, it's, 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 it's what gets us into the kingdom, we are constantly repenting at the same time. You know, but that that constant repentance, the constant turning is not an indication of whether we're in or out of the kingdom. As a matter of fact, let me say that. Let me say that differently. The fact that we are constantly turning, going back to God, going back to God is an indication of our security in him because we can always turn back to him. We can always go back to him. If we are a part of the kingdom and we find ourselves, you know, again, we're struggling with sin, struggling with sin. You know, it's not that we keep fight, 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 fight all the time. It's a both and. We are actively seeking Christ while fighting at the same time. If we just seek Christ, but we don't fight, then we give sin an opportunity to overtake us. But if we fight, 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 and we never um, seek Christ, then we are divorcing ourselves from the power and trying in our own strength and our own might to try to put sin to death. And so again, it's not an either or, it's a both and. But the love of God perfects that in us, in that in our weaknesses, Christ's strength is made perfect. So we glory in the fact that, Hey, you know what? I can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't do, I cannot, I cannot fight this by myself. I need the Lord in my life. I need him to help me. I need him to strengthen me. I need him to embolden me. I need him to empower me. I need him to help me to get what I need to get done, done, you know, in his name. I need his help to love him. I need his help to fight. I need his help to, to be strengthened and encouraged and by the grace of God, he's given us a Holy Spirit that said, I got that. I got that. I'm right here. I've been here. I'm here this whole time. Um, matter of fact. John chapter 16, verse uh, starting with verse number four. Um, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. Um, for if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world 
concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so again, you know, he's telling us and reminding us, um, going and going even back into um, 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so again, he's saying all this to let us know and to remind us that he sent a Holy Spirit to help us, to lead us, to guide us, you know, to help, to, to help us along this path, to remind us that we are not alone. We're not fighting by ourselves. You're not fighting by yourself, Christian. You're not fighting by yourself, believer. You're fighting with a whole Holy Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit that has that is all God. You know, he's all God. He's, part, he's third of the Godhead, you know, and that has been gifted to us by virtue of God himself. And in that, we are empowered to do the impossible. We are empowered to do things that only, you know, that, you know, that mere mortals cannot do. To love God requires God. And God has given us God to be able to do the things that he has called us to do, um, to be able to love and to love in a perfect way. And that is why we love because God first loved us in so much that Christ died on the cross so that we could live again. And he credited that righteousness to us. And that was not something he had to do, but he chose to do it because of his love for us to the glory of God. And as a result of that, we are able to be called the righteousness of God um, and to be called loved. And so we love others because God loved us. We even love ourselves the way that we're supposed to love ourselves because God loves us. Um, and so, um, so thank y'all so much for taking the time to listen to my little soliloquy. I did not know it was going to go that long, um, but to God be the glory. You are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok and Facebook Live. Um, we are in the middle of Hurricane Adalia. Um, and, um, right here, we're, um, down here. And so continue just to uh, keep us covered, um, under the blood, um, continue to pray for us down here as we're riding this storm out. Um, and, um, and we're just grateful for the opportunity to be able to share some wisdom and share some truth with y'all today. Um, <clears throat> let me jump in these comments real quick. Cause y'all been, y'all been on it today and see what's going on in these, in this comment box. Um, let me see. What we got, what we got, what we got. Let me see. I see y'all had.
All right. Let's see. All right. I appreciate. I appreciate the love and I appreciate the comments you guys have been sharing um, on today. I really do appreciate all that y'all um, are doing in the comment box. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to fill out that comment box below. Um, and um, toward the end of the show, um, about the the latter um, part of the show, um, about thirty minutes before the show is over, um, I'll jump back in the comments. And if there's any um, questions or comments down there, um, then I'll um, you know. Um, you know, um, answer any questions that y'all may have. Again, I read every, I'll read everything you say. I just may not respond to everything that you write. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, but again, I do thank y'all for taking the time to holler at your boy, because again, y'all could literally be anywhere else doing anything else, watching anybody else do anything else. And so to spend a little bit of time with me, and give me the 715 likes. I do appreciate y'all so, so much. Again, you are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy, Eddie D. I'm live Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I do appreciate all of the love that you guys are giving and the support that you give. Um, and so thank you so, so much um, for spending a little bit of time with your boy today. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is, um, is, is, is therapy related, but, um, at the same time, it kind of goes back and shows us exactly what we're talking about when we say that we sometimes will, you know, have a, um, a struggle with sin. Um, talking to this couple yesterday and, um, they were talking about the fact that they had fallen out of love with each other. Um, they said that they no longer um, felt like they were they, they were friends anymore. Um, and and so and it took them a while to really start talking about what really happened. Like they were really, really vague about everything. I asked them, what, is, what are you talking about when you're not friends no more? They said, I just feel like we don't like each other no more. I said, OK, so what does that mean that you don't like each other no more? What is what is going on there? And, it was, and you know, pull it's pulling teeth, man. I, I It's like I had to really do some some, some digging to try to get them to really talk to me about what happened to them. Um, and so, um, long story short, I eventually, I asked the guy about three or four times, you know, what do you think is wrong with your relationship? What do you think is wrong with your relationship? What do you think is going on with your relate with your relationship? And he said, you know, well, it's the fact that, you know, that she cheated on me. And I was like, oh, okay, finally, thank you. Took a, took a minute to finally get here, but thank you. Okay, so let's talk about that. What happened? And about a decade ago, um, um, she had gone to a bar, you know, with her friends, um, and she had gotten, you know, drunk, and, you know, one of the guys was hitting on her, and she ended up kissing him. And she came, she came home, felt terrible about it, told her husband, and he was 98 hot, which I'm pretty sure any decent man whose wife, kiss another dude would be 98 hot <laughs> and he was you know so upset and mad at the world about that um she you know tried to explain you know that she you know has been vulnerable and all this other type of stuff and feeling lonely at home and just felt good to you know uh be noticed um she had you know they just had kids and she'd been at the house with the kids you know pretty much the whole time and he never took her out never did anything with her she just became a mom and he, you know, just basically just kind of forgot that she even existed. And um, and so, you know, when she went out for the first time in two or three years, she finally, um, you know, just kind of, um, you know, let it all 
hang out, and unfortunately, she ended up kissing the dude. Um, but that was the only time that that ever happened. But he held on to the fact that he that she kissed another dude for ten years, so much so that in a situation where she, his best friend, um, her best friend, and him had gone camping together, and the three of them, he was with the kids, the husband with the kids. She had gone off and for five hours was trying to convince her, his best friend to stop trying to sleep with her best friend because this friend was married. And they were and they were trying so hard to, you know, um, trying so hard to try to get that situation resolved. And in his mind, because he still saw her through the light of and the lens of you kissed another man. He assumed that because his best friend was no longer hanging out with them, that she must have done something with him that caused him to no longer want to be his friend. And he held on to that for another two years. What often is what often happens with us is we can tend, we can have a tendency to hold on to grudges. And when we hold on to grudges, that is an indication. If it's a, it's an indication. And this is, and this is, I really want believers to hear me when I'm, when I'm saying this, when we're holding on to grudges, it is an indication that the love of God, it, that, that we say we believe in, has not fully captured our hearts. And what I mean by that is, I'm not saying that it's easy to get over someone that you love kissing another person. I highly don't endorse you doing that. But at the same time, listening to what she said, there was no compassion given to her at all for the system that was created in which she ended up kissing this other dude because listening to her, she said the words, I didn't, I was lonely. I didn't feel loved by you anymore. I felt like once we had the kids, everything changed. You wouldn't take me out anymore. You wouldn't go anywhere with me. You didn't want to do anything with me. You just went to work and came home. You're very irritable all the time. And for a long time, I just didn't feel like you wanted me anymore. And it was wrong. And I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I recognize my fault in it. So I'm not excusing what I did. But I'm just saying I felt like you didn't like me anymore. And rather than her husband hear this and ask himself, even though he still he can still be be mad, still be mad. I said, don't don't not be upset. You can be upset, be be angry because, like I said, he kiss a whole kiss a whole other dude. I'd be mad too. But understand what created that situation, because not again, not own the own the mistake which she did. But if I say that I love somebody but I'm ignoring them. I don't talk to them. I don't spend time with them. I don't care about them. I don't care about their well-being. 
I don't offer to give them any type of break. I don't offer to give them any type of like, you know, reassurance at all. What do I think is what do I, what do I expect could happen by creating that space? And what that means is that God is absent in that space. In, and this is again, I'm talking to believers. If you are a believer in God, but this is how you're treating your spouse, how can you say that you love God, but you hate your brother, you hate your sister? You're not showing the love that God has placed inside of you onto the people that you love. And God says, you know, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, wives, submit one to another. In that space, we got to take care of each other's hearts. Got to say, hey, how you doing? Hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Is there, you know, is there something that's, you know, going on? You know, help help me to, um, you know, let me speak to your heart for a minute. You know, let's go out on a date. Let's, you know, go out to a restaurant. Let's go, let's go, let's go do something together, you know, and, you know, check in with one another. Like, are we truly seeking God in the midst of our relationships? And are we pouring out the love and the forgiveness that God has given to us out onto the canvas of the people that we say that we're in love with? Hey, boo. My wife just walked in, by the way. You know, she 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 hunkered in um during the hurricane too. So <laughs> all the schools got canceled. So um, but do we have the love of God? Because if we have the love of God, then even if say, you know, we again that situation created itself. Because sometimes, as I was talking to this other couple the other day, life happens, you know, we change, you know, bodies change, kids grow up, you know, we 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 job change jobs and careers change. Change happens, and sometimes we can get complacent. Sometimes, like I said, actively loving God, actively putting sin to death, sometimes we can get complacent in either one of those areas. What you looking for? A colorful pen. Um, no, you good. I got a blue one. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you know, um, actively putting sin to death, actively seeking God, we got to do that in our relationships too. Like we have to actively seek out those areas where we're lacking. So that way we can flourish in all areas. It's an active pursuit. We can sometimes get complacent in our relationships. We sometimes we start going on autopilot. And as we go on autopilot, as I discovered two, three years ago, we can sometimes go on autopilot and we end up ignoring our, 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 our spouses, um, please for, you know, attention, for affection, for time, for, you know, space, for energy, for, you know, um, uh, for connection. Sometimes we can ignore that. We can, we can, we can or ignore that because we're just riding on autopilot. So sometimes this life happens, but when we see it, when we recognize it, when our spouses have the, the, the courage and, and, and the wherewithal to say, Hey, I'm feeling some type of way. Do we, with the love of God in our hearts, have the ability to be able to see where we're, where we're falling short and then course correct. That's one. Two, um, again, talking about the fact that she kissed this dude. He's been holding on that for 10 years, which it, it, it I'll say it in a minute, but hold on that for 10 years. And then it compounded on itself when he assumed 
that she was cheating on him a second time two years ago because of what happened 10 years ago. God tells us that if we are not careful, we can plant up a seed of bitterness can root itself so deep that we can't see anything else but the bitterness. That we can't see anything else but the rage. And if we're not careful, we will let unforgiveness rule our hearts so much so that we can destroy meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships with people. It doesn't say that we, you know, just forget what happened. No, we don't forget what happened. But if we say that we love God and God has canceled my debt, canceled my record, given me grace, how much more should we give grace to others who seek it? You know, forgiveness and reconciliation if they're if they're seeking out if they're seeking after it. As much as we can help it, we make peace with all men. That includes our spouses. If they, you know, own what they did, own the mistakes that they made, show contrition, and are willing to work on the relationship, you have to decide whether or not holding on to that bitterness and anger is, is, good, is good for you. Now, here's, what, here's also what I told him. He needs to let that go. He needs to forgive her of that thing, right? But it does not mean he has to stay in a relationship with her because there is a fundamental difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Now, again, showing contrition, showing, you know, remorse, understanding what I did wrong, trying not to do it again by the grace of God. You know, you got to ask yourself, do I really want to implode this thing? Because infidelity, that is grounds for divorce according to scripture that is grounds for divorce you have you you have you can you can divorce because of infidelity you know there are two there are two grounds for divorce there's there's, there's infidelity like like infidelity and then you know um you know if being in the relationship is causing damage to the soul of a man and so um you know if that if that that so you that happened you got the grounds to go like you, ain't, you do not have to stay. You are not bound by God to stay in your relationship. And so you got to ask the question, do I really want this relationship or am I always going to see her in that light? And if I'm, am I ever going to see her in, am I going to be able to see her in that light? And so again, we got to ask ourselves the question, you know, is the seed of bitterness that's rooted inside my heart so much so so much so that I cannot let this go. I cannot let this go. And if that's the case, then I have to allow myself, I have to, you know, I have to, you know, recognize, hey, I can't, I can't keep, I can't stay in this relationship. I can't be who God has called me to be. I can't do what God has called me to do with this bitterness and rage inside of my heart. And again, I can forgive a person but I can also let that relationship go if I know that staying in a relationship is going to cause me to fall out with God. It's going to cause me to not be in a relationship with God because it says in the word, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your, you know, if your, um, if your, you know, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. 
You know, you, you have to be willing to forgive them for what they've done. Because again, forgiveness ain't even about them. It's about you. Because he's holding on to bitterness and rage that's been warring in his heart for a decade. Ten years of anger over an incident that, again, not calling, call, not saying that it was right, but it was of his own creation. He asked me, so you saying that the reason for our issues is because of my trust issues? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That because of your, the lack of trust that you have in your spouse, the lack of trust that you have for your wife right now, you are so bitter and angry with her that you don't even want to hang out with her. You're not trying to make an effort. You're not trying to make an attempt. And I told him, you might not say the words, but she can feel your anger. She can feel your mistrust. She, the way you look at her, the way you talk to her, the way you, um, you, you, the way you, the way you act around her, she can tell you don't love her no more. She can tell you ain't even got. You can you can say I love you all day long. How did um how did um men condition say it? If you um love me like you say you do, won't you show me how much you do? Like, dude, you can tell if somebody loves you. Like, you say the words all you want, but those actions, those actions, come on now. And so again, you know, in, in so again, in telling him that he was like, so you say my trust issues are reason? Yeah, your trust issues are the reason. They are what have built this foundation of bitterness in you. And you got to get over that if you want your marriage to survive. You, you got to let that go. But you got to be honest with yourself. Can you let that go? Because if you can't, then she got some decisions to make. And she was like, well, maybe, you know, if we could just, you know, give me some, some space. But, you know, he said he, he won't give me space. I said, you go ahead. You got to take it. You can use you can't you've got to stop asking for it. You just gotta take it. Because at this point, he's made it loud and clear. He don't want to, he he's not gonna, you know, give you the space. But if he's not gonna love you either, you might have to take the space. Because at this point, he's showing you he doesn't love you like he used to. He can if he's willing to work on the bitterness inside of his heart, but that takes, you know, recognizing the love that God has for us. And recognizing that he loved us so much that he was willing to overlook our faults, overlook our flaws, overlook our sin, overlook the um the 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 the, the issues that we had, our turning away from him, got on the cross and died and credited us with his life. And if he was willing to do that for us, how much more should we be willing to do for another person? See if I can find it real quick. I think it's in 17. Let me see. Is it in 17? Nope, it's in 18. Ha <laughs> ha! Thank you, God. It's in 18. Jesus told this parable to the um to the disciples. Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, 
One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And here we go. 10,000 talents. 10,000 bags of gold. Ten, and a talent was worth about, I think, a, a year's worth, I think. But don't quote me on that because I can't, I can't remember. I think it's, I mean, it may have been 30 days pay, not sure, months pay. But it's a big amount of money. So 10,000 talents is way too much money. Like you'd have to literally live like 10,000 lifetimes in order to pay in order to pay that money off. I did some math a long time ago. Might do it again just to show the magnitude. You know what? I think I'm going to do that tomorrow. I think I'm going to go back here tomorrow. What's I'm going to do tomorrow? Uh, but anyway, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of the debt of 10,000 talents. The debt that could not be paid. And out of pity, no, I said that already. But then, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Um, and that's basically 100 days pay. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt and he couldn't pay it. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What he's saying to us is that if we believe in God and God has and we have received the forgiveness of the debt that we cannot pay. Because again, 10,000 talents. You know what? Here we go. I'm going to do some math. I'm going to do this again tomorrow. Hold on. Okay. So, six so a talent is about 6,000 days pay. 6,000 days pay, right? Um. And that's in silver. So let me pull out the calculator real quick. All right. So let's say, let's say minimum wage for us is $15 an hour. Well, should be $15 an hour. So I'm going to give them a living wage. $15 an hour. So $15 an hour, $15 an hour times eight hours a day. Is $120, right? So, and that's a that's a denarii. That's a denarii in their time. $120. So $120. Um, they said that six that a silver talent is a silver talent is six thousand denarii. Um, and um a um a gold bag, so let's go with gold bag. A gold bag is 30 times more. So that's three, three times three times six is uh is 18, so um, 18, 18 with 
four zeros. 6,000 times 30. So uh, here we go. 6,000 times 30. 18,000 times 120. That's a talent. A talent is $2,160,000. This man owed 10,000 of them. So this man owed, owed the king $21 billion. $600 million. $21,600,000,000. Million. Where he got that kind of money at? First of all, let's ask this question. Where he get that kind of money to spend in the first place? Like, $21 billion? Like, so, again, I know it's a parable, so this didn't really happen. But the same thing, same rules apply. This man had a debt that he could not pay. He had a debt that he could not pay, $21 billion, $21 billion. And that is indicative of the sin debt that we owe to God. We owe a debt that we can't pay. We can't pay. We can't give God anything in payment for our sins. Nothing. Our righteousness before a righteous God is nothing but a filthy rag. And a filthy rag back in that time, excuse the euphemism, is a bloody tampon. We, that's, that's what we look like in the eyes of God. Our righteousness, our, our good works, our good deeds, our good efforts, our good attempts, they are nothing. They are trash compared to the righteous of God. We can't pay that debt back. Christ in his infinite love for us paid a $21,600,000,000 debt. No, I got that wrong. I'm sorry. 21 trillion 600 billion dollar debt. Right? Right? No, I said it right first time. 21 billion. 21 billion 600 million. I said that right. I said it right. Right? Right? Yeah, I did. I said it right. 21 billion. We don't we can't pay that debt back to God. We owe that to God. We can't pay it back, but Christ in his infinite love and wisdom for us Paid the debt that we couldn't pay so that we might be called the righteous of God. So God is saying to us, just like I'm just like I was saying to this dude, if you say you love your wife, why can't you forgive her of this indiscretion that she had? With the even it, it, justification aside, it's 10 years, bruh. 10 years. You've been holding on to this one kiss for 10 years. You never talked about it. You never talked through it. You never tried to understand it. You never tried to, you know, um, uh, to reconcile with that. Again, I'm not saying don't be upset. Be mad. If my if my wife kissed another dude, I'd be mad. If I kissed another woman, my wife would be pissed. So I'm not saying not be angry and upset. But you know, ten years though, ten years of being just as angry, if not more, as the first day. That's bitterness. That's, that's rooted, embedded in the heart. And how can we say that we love God, but we can't forgive our brother? Man, you know what? Okay, God, I see what you're doing today. We in downtown love today. First John chapter 2. I think it's in chapter 2. 
No, it is not. It is chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse um, 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, <laughs> who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out to death in life, into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, um, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of him in the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Um. I thought, I thought it was going to say it someplace else. Hold on. Let me see if I can find. Um, I'm going to have to go look for it. I thought it was in chapter three. It might still be in chapter three, but I might be looking for it in the King James. And mine's an English standard, so I may not be reading it the way I thought it would be. Um, oh, here in chapter four, I read it already. That's why. That's why I can't find it. Um, it says. We love because he first loved us. For chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And so, again, we can't say that the love of God resides in our hearts. And then have hatred toward our brothers in such a way that we are willing, we are unwilling to forgive them to the point where we are holding on to grudges forever. At some point, we got to let that stuff go. So I'm saying all that to say to us today on the True Gospel Morning Show with Eddie D, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, that if we are not careful, we will allow a seed of bitterness and anger to root inside of our hearts in such a way to where it will rule us. It will take over us. And when it takes over us, we will end up treating people like trash while simultaneously confessing that we love God. That's, that's not God's love. It doesn't work that way. We cannot say that we love God, yet treat our fellow man like trash. It, don't, it just don't work like that. Now, again, it hurts. It hurts when our people mistreat us. It hurts if you're in this loving relationship with somebody and they cheat. Yeah, it hurts. It, it hurts. And so, again, it's no, you're not casting any dispersions on that. Because, again, you know, at the end of the day, if you, my wife and I say this all the time. If you get to a point where you got to cheat, just tell me so we can break up. Like, you know, is it going to hurt? Heck, yeah. 
it's gonna hurt. Ain't no 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 ifs ands buts about it. But I would rather know that you gotta go cheat <laughs> for whatever reason than to cheat on me. You know, if you if you gotta have you gotta get it, gotta have it that bad. You know, or whatever whatever it is you feel like you ain't getting from me. You feel like I gotta go get it from somebody else. Just go ahead and get it, but just let me know so I can so I can get the divorce papers ready. Because you know, again, if that's what you feel like you gotta do, go ahead and go and do what you gotta do. So at the end of the day, you know, we you know we love God and we love His people in such a good, such a um, wonderful way that we you know that we are willing to forgive one another and check the the bitterness of our hearts. Because again, at the end of the day, if we find ourselves in a space of bitterness and find ourselves in a space where we are unwilling to forgive one another, then we put ourselves in a place where we are unwilling to fully embrace the forgiveness and the love and the grace of God. Because we cannot say that we love God and fully embrace the forgiveness that he has given us for a debt that we can't pay. Again, going back to um, Matthew chapter um, 18, a $21 billion, $600 million debt, that uh, sin debt that we can't, we can't possibly pay. We can't say that we love God and are fully embracing the love that he's given us and not be able to forgive one another of the sins and the arts that we ha- that have been committed against us. As much as we can help it, we reconcile the relationship. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. You know, we try to reconcile the relationship as best as we can. But if we're not careful... <clears throat> Um, if we're not careful, then we will find ourselves in a place where we are un, we are not fully embracing what God has given us because we are not forgiving one another of the things we've done. Again, forgiveness is not about the other person. Forgiveness is about us. It's about us being able to let go of what happened to us so that we can move forward with the life that God has for us. Doesn't mean we have to reconcile the relationship. We should try to reconcile the relationship. Try to reconcile the marriage if it's possible. But, you know, once again, we don't put ourselves in a position where, you know, it, it, where, you know, we hold on and lord it over our spouses. Well, you know, you know, well, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you kissed the dude. So who knows what you might do tonight? Like, dude, you were still holding on to that. For what? For what? Why are you still holding on to something that happened when... God has forgiven you 10 times over of what you have done, you know, of, of what you have, of what you've done against him. And he paid that debt. He descended into hell and, ro- and rose again. He paid that debt off. Why are you still holding on to that? Why are you still holding on to this one thing that happened? Especially when this person has come to you asking for forgiveness, asking for contrition, you know, um, or well, uh, showing contrition. Um, you know, seeking, you know, what do I got to do to make it right? What do we got to do to make it better? You know, when they're seeking to reconcile, why are you still holding on, holding on to it? Because again, you know, in talking to her specifically, she can feel that energy. She can feel that weight. She can feel that pain. She can feel that anger. He was very, that, that malice, callousness, could feel that thing. And so again, we got to be ever so careful that we are not putting ourselves in a place where we are walking in a rooted bitterness, a rooted bitterness. Because if we do, then we put ourselves in a place where we are no longer able 
to embrace fully the love and forgiveness that God has given us. And that is why it is so important for us to remember that we love not because we are capable, but because God first loved us. Because only through God and having a relationship with him can his perfect love be made manifest through us. We have to be willing. Um, mm, okay. Now, you know, you know, we have to be ever so careful that we're, um, you know, putting ourselves in a place where we aren't, you know, where we aren't, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, we aren't so hurt by what happened to us that we can't escape by the power of God what God will allow us to um to have. Um, let's see, hasn't had someone to help him. Reminds me of the oh mm, yeah, that mean yeah, yeah, you might be right. Romans chapter one says God may give us over to a reprobated mind. Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, his heart was hardened in such a way to where, and maybe it was hardened long enough to get to this place where he has to talk about it. Because that's the that's the thing that, that was interesting about yesterday, because they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to discuss it. They didn't want to bring it up. They didn't want to have a conversation about it. They kept they kept sweeping, they kept they kept back channeling it. And it's like, dude, like, talk to me. <laughs> like, you came to therapy for a reason. Talk to me. What's going on? What happened? What happened two years ago? What happened 10 years ago? What's going on? And so, you know, so we have to remember and recall is that we have to put ourselves in a place and put ourselves in a position and put ourselves in a position where we are willing and able to have meaningful dialogue and conversation with one another in such a way to where we're able to forgive one another and seek out forgiveness and seek out reconciliation one with another. And if we're not careful and we don't, you know, um, you know, deal with the unforgiveness in our hearts and deal with the bitterness in our hearts, then we'll put ourselves in a position and in a place where we are no longer operating in the spirit of truth. And we're not operating in the spirit of the love that God has for us. Um, yeah, so you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. I'm live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Um, and um, that's Monday through Friday here on TikTok and on Facebook Live. Um, we're going to be moving um, the Facebook Live from my individual page to the True Gospel Ministry page starting on tomorrow. Um, and um, starting next Monday, um, if I can, if, well, maybe not, maybe not next Monday, maybe in two weeks. Um, but in two weeks, um, two Mondays from now, um, all of these episodes will be available live, uh, not live, via Spotify. Um, and so we're going to um, set up our podcast channel on Spotify and have all of these episodes loaded up so that way you can go back and listen to anything that you may have missed. Um, and it'll be full on. Um, there won't be any splicing and dicing. Um, and so you'll get the full uh, message, um, the full message. Listen to me like it's a sermon. You get the full show um, um, and it'll be uploaded. I'll try to upload it every single day. Um, so that way you guys have full access in case you miss an episode. You can always go back to Spotify and listen um on what's going on um we're going going through these comments real quick Let's see what's going on what's going on um 
ですThe imaginations of the mind can be so hurtful. Um... Yeah, the imaginations of the mind can be so hurtful. Um, there's two things I'm thinking about with that. One is that our, if our minds are not anchored in something eternal, we will allow we will allow ourselves to be swayed by anything. That makes sense. Um, if our if our minds are not anchored in something eternal, then our minds will sway. And as I'm as I'm I'm, I'm I say the word sway, I'm looking at the trees right now. <laughs> the trees are swaying by every wind of doctrine. Mm-hmm. The wind. When, the, that, the, I see what you're doing, God. I see what you did there. That was pretty good. If we're not anchored in something eternal, our minds will be swayed by any wind of doctrine that resonates with us at the time in which we hear it. And so what often is the case is that every like two or three years or so, there's some new version of the same thing. Some new version of the same thing that comes out. But my mind's gonna figure it out. Um, where are we at? This one. Um, this one. Um. Uh, where is it? Um, what am I looking for? What am I looking for? What am I looking for? Um, I thought I had one. Do I not have one? That it? Nope. I can use it though. Um, I thought I had it. There, here it is. There it is. I knew I wanted something. Okay. <clears throat> so. I do therapy, right? Um, maybe 10 years ago, cognitive behavioral therapy was the biggest thing out there. Everybody's making such a big deal out of cognitive behavior. CBT, CBT, CBT. Everything's about CBT. Uh, about 
seven years ago, the Enneagram um, came out and it started becoming popular. Ca caught a lot of wind with everybody. Been out for 100 years, but in the past seven years, everybody's been making a whole lot of noise about it, especially with the advent of Instagram because they got this. These, now you can make these little quick cheat sheets on how to do how to use the Enneagram for your life. Seven years ago, five years ago. This lady, Esther Perel, started talking about relationships and rethinking um, the state of affairs and um, thinking about how to reignite, um, reignite relationships. About three years ago, EMDR started to become super power, became super powerful. And now everybody's doing EMDR. Next year, something else is coming. That's going to be the next big thing that everybody's going to want to study. You're going to have celebrities, you know, you're going to have celebrity um, um, therapists going to be out there. They're going to make their money, make their brand, make their books, make their presentations, going to do their con conferences. And then in three years, somebody's going to reinvent this thing and turn it into something new. And everybody's going to run toward it. Have you noticed lately that everybody's triggered? Everybody is triggered now. Triggered is not a new concept, but it's caught fire because it, because now it justifies the way that people want to live. So now if I'm bothered by you, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. You're triggering me. And now everybody feels like if you're triggering me, I don't want anything to do with you. So we've lost now the art of even having meaningful conversations and relationships with people because everything that everybody says can be a trigger for somebody else. And if you're triggered, you got to be canceled. If you got to be canceled, I got to build my platform up against what you said, splice it for a 90 second segment, and then turn it into a trigger point. And so what I, and I'm saying all that to say Every time the wind blows in society, people are gravitating toward what they hear because it resonates with us at the time in which that thing comes out. And so five years ago, people were saying CBT was the hottest thing on, on earth, but now it's EMDR. Everybody wants to do EMDR, EMDR training now. That's the hot thing that's out now. In that same way, that's how we treat spirituality. We want the easy way. We want the way that resonates with our, with our, with, we say it's our souls, but it's really resonating with our flesh, really resonating with how we're feeling, right? And so every time someone gives us something that makes us feel good, we're, we, we're running toward it. We're running toward it. Our imaginations, our flesh, our thoughts, our feelings can sometimes get in the way of us having a meaningful, impactful relationship with the Lord. Because our imaginations can be such to where we would rather gravitate toward the thing that makes me feel good rather than gravitate toward the thing that makes me good. I want to gravitate toward the thing that makes me feel like I matter, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm valued, I'm validated. I, 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 you know, what, what makes sense to me makes sense to me. We'd rather feel good in our flesh rather than be good in our souls. And as a result of that, we are tossed. 
every which way, looking for the next new age spirituality, looking for the next conversation, looking for that next piece that's going to make me feel good. And so now we've got tens of thousands of little gods that we've bought in self-help books that we've bought in chakras and we bought in crystals and we bought in sage and all these things in an attempt to make the spirit, the, the, the flesh feel good. And dang, if you're a believer, especially grieving the Holy Spirit, exactly. Because at the end of the day, none of these things in this world can satisfy the longings of an eternal soul. But we're constantly looking for something that's going to make me feel good. And every two to three years, there's a new version of the same thing that we think is going to be the thing that's going to satisfy the longings of the soul. And in such, our imaginations, what we think is going to make me feel good, we, what we think is going to give me the, the, the satisfaction I've been looking for. The thing I've been looking for, this is, this is it. This job is going to give me what I need. This, 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 this career is going to give me what I need. This car is going to give me what I need. This house, this relationship, this high value man, this boss B word that I ain't going to say, that's going to give me what I need. And all the while our souls are saying, bruh, no, you tried that. You already tried that. You tried that last year. You tried it the year before. You tried it the year before that. It didn't work then. What you think is, why do you think it's going to work now? Why? Stop doing this to me. But that's what happens when we're tossed like the wind to and fro. All over the place. Because we're allowing our minds, allowing our flesh, allowing our feelings to sit on the throne of God and run us. And run us. And as a result of that, we've got to be so careful. we got to be ever so careful that we're not putting ourselves in a position where we are allowing ourselves to, we're allowing ourselves to be tossed like a ship without a sail. Just back and forth, to and fro, going every which way. And we have to be, again, ever so mindful that we're not allowing our imaginations to just run rampant. We got to take those thoughts captive and place them under submission, under the feet of Jesus, not allow our imaginations to run, to run wild. And that's, again, that's for anybody, especially for us believers, because we're supposed to be anchored to the eternal one. But even us, the believers, can sometimes be tossed by things that are not true. Just got on here um yesterday. And um no, was it yesterday? No, it was the day before. Day before. And God opens up um uh first Corinthians chapter two. Goes to verse nine. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God that get things that are in store uh, that God has in store for those who love him. And then he said, but y'all miss the very next verse. And I perked up because usually that's not what they say. 
Usually they'll stop right there and say, God's going to give you this and God's going to give you that. And it's going to blow your mind. You can't, you ain't even seen what they're going to do with you, you know? And so the fact that he said, but y'all skip the very next verse. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, Lord. Okay. Hmm. Let me see what's going on. So looks at number 10 and it says, these things have been revealed by the spirit. I was like, yes. He, somebody finally said it. And he's got a big platform. Maybe. Maybe they, maybe somebody will hear it. I don't know. But then he doubled down on the fact that you haven't you haven't seen it yet, but it's coming. You haven't seen it yet, but it's coming. You haven't heard it yet, but you saw it in the spirit. You didn't hear it yet, but you heard it in the spirit. I heard you're hired in the spirit. Ah, oh, I heard you got. I see the house on the street in my spirit. I ain't got the key yet, but it's coming. And it's like, bruh, that is not what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is talking about. It's not talking about see your things, see the things that you want. It's not talking about see the things that you want to have in this life and you haven't seen it yet, but write the vision and make it plain and then manifest it and all this other stuff. That's not what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is talking about at all. But because it sounds good and because it's scriptural, People will run with that thing, believing the plausible art. Okay. See. All right. All right, God. Well, that's why I love this show. Paul says in uh, Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse. Um, Start with, uh, where is that? Start with verse one. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach the, all the riches of pure, oh my God, words, all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, not money, wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. We in the body of Christ, we in the body of Christ have a tendency to be swayed by plausible arguments because it sounds good and it makes us feel some type of way. It, it sounds really good. It sounds really, really good. It, feel, it sounds good when you have a preacher saying the thing that you've been wanting and the thing that you've been praying for and the thing that you've been asking for, God's going to deliver it to you. You got to see it in your spirit before it manifests itself in the natural. You got to see it in the spirit. You got to hear it in the spirit. Just like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, the spirit has revealed these things. So you got to see it in your spirit and then God will manifest it. He'll manifest it for you. Because again, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. That sounds really good, but it ain't Bible. It's not the gospel, but it sounds so good because I want my dreams to come true. 
I want my dream house. I want my dream spouse. I did not mean for that to rhyme, but it sounded real good. I want my dream car. I want my um dream career. I want, you know, I want to be like the people on TikTok and go on vacation all the time and wear the stylish clothes and, you know, and have the and have the um the the the, the full figure body and, you know, and I want people to pay me all these monies and and allow me to jet set anywhere that I want to go and go on these lavish trips and buy these, you know, these um, Louis Vuitton bags. And I want so badly for, you know, me to be able to wear the, the five piece suits and to, to, to be known and to be, to be able to rub elbows against celebrities. And, and I want people to know who I am and know my name. I want all those things. And so, yes, God, I see it in my spirit. I see it in my spirit and I want it in my spirit so bad, but baby, can I tell you that ain't Bible? That ain't Bible. That ain't the gospel. The gospel was never meant to be a blueprint on how to get rich. The, the Bible was never a blueprint on how to make your dreams come true. The Bible is the blueprint to knowing Jesus. It's, it's knowing Jesus and knowing that our lives are secure in him enough to be able to endure the trials and tribulations of the day to day until that great day comes when he ushers us into the new heavens and the new earth. That's what the scripture is for is to empower us and to strengthen us and encourage us to be able to withstand the trials and the test of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the evil days that we live in. But, um, Matthew chapters, uh, chapter, I think the 16 says it like this, like, no, not sixteen. I'm sorry, thirteen says it like this. When he's like, there were four soils that this gospel ground, um, that his gospel was spread on, and for a lot of people, the heat of the day, the cares of this world, the trials and tests that come, we ain't, we're not going to be rooted enough to be able to withstand that stuff for some of us because we're being deluded into believing that God is all about me. He's all about me, all about me. It's all about what I want, all about what I need, all about, you know, taking care of me, all about, you know, God loves me. And God is saying, yes, I love you. That's true. But I love you in so much that my glory will be made manifest through you. I'm after my glory. I'm seeking my glory. I'm not seeking your riches. I'm not seeking your wealth. I'm not seeking your prosperity. I'm seeking peace. I'm seeking glory and glory comes through me having purchased and secured your faith and her purchased and secured your soul. And that is the point of the Bible. But again, we can be deluded by plausible arguments by thinking that this Bible is about us and that seeing in the spirit is all about me needing to see where God is trying to lead me in my life so I can make all my dreams come true as if these 80 years or so that God has placed us on this earth is all there is. And that God's mission is to make me rich beyond my wildest imaginations and to give me stuff beyond my wildest imaginations. Yes, God's going to blow our minds. Let's call a spade a spade. Because there are things that God has done in my life that's like, dude, that's none of my God. My goodness, that was none of my God. The fact that my wife and I are still married, that was none of my God. Hallelujah. Love you, boo. But, you know, there are things that are happening in our minds that God's going to blow our minds with without question. We're going to know that God is real because of the things that he does in our lives. But 
that is not an indication that now we're not holding God. Oh my gosh. We are now holding God accountable for making my dreams come true. What we just got done saying, when you become a part of the kingdom, your agenda is gone. When you are a part of the kingdom, your desires are pushed to the side. When you are a part of the kingdom, you are dying to yourself every single day. So in so much that if your, your will does not align with God's will, God will make it so where you cannot do what you want to do and just think you're going to be all right. You have to align to God. Because that is the invitation that God gives us. He, he invita the invitation is to come and die. The invitation is to deny thyself, take up your cross, and follow him. That is the invitation that God gives us. The invitation is not so that your, your, your wildest dreams can come true. Go get those things without question. Go get that job. Go get that house. Go get that spouse. Go get those kids. Go get, you know, the vacations. Go get it. If God if God gives you the ability, the capability, the mind to go get a high power job, get a high power career, all this stuff, go get those things. But do and do so with integrity. Don't cheat nobody. Don't cut corners. Don't do none of that stuff. Do it with integrity. But don't think that God is obligated to give you those things just because you're a part of the kingdom. No, he's not. Look at all the people in the Bible. Look at the boys in the New Testament. All them boys suffered greatly and died terrible deaths like they didn't just you know make it in this world and you know now they sat as fat kings peter gone james gone john gone you know paul gone you know jude gone like them boys did not live fat as fat cats like some of our pastors today like they that like you know well this is just the manifestation of the lord this is what he wants for me you know if that's what he wants for you Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Grateful that you got it. But God ain't obligated to give that to you. He is not obligated to give that to you. And so I'm saying all that to I'm saying all that. Let me back all the way up. Saying all that to say, if we're not careful, we will allow hmm, God, help me to say this right, because I don't want to say this wrong, because I it's not, it's not, I'm not angry. So help me to say this right. If we're not careful, we will allow shallow preachers and shallow pastors to delude us into a shallow faith. Make sure I say that again. If we're not careful, we will allow shallow preachers and shallow pastors to lead us into a shallow faith. And so we, the believers, have to be ever so careful that we are not allowing people to delude us from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will never graduate from the gospel. The gospel is the life force through which we live, move, and have all being. That is what the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of. It's his job to remind us of the gospel, to remind us of what Christ has accomplished for us, to remind us that Christ lived, died, and rose again so that we might have eternal life. That is the Holy Spirit's job, to remind us of that and to empower us in that. And so I say all that again to say to y'all today, be careful that you are not swayed by every wind of doctrine 
just because it sounds good. Listen, I tell I'm tell y'all to I'll tell y'all about me. Go check me. I might be wrong sometimes. And if I am, please tell me so I can figure it out. And so, you know, if I'm wrong about anything that I'm saying about the Lord, I want I don't I just want to be right. Like, come on, man. Like, I I I I want to be right in this. And so, you know, don't just take my word for it. Search those scriptures. Search them for knowledge. Search them for wisdom. Search them for understanding. And all thy getting, get an understanding. And all thy getting, get an understanding. And all thy getting, get an understanding. Mm. Let's see what y'all got going on in here. Sure do. Sure, nothing is guaranteed. Many still treat God like a genius. They sure do. Let's see. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with Eddie D. Live with you Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 a.m. Um, I certainly do appreciate y'all for taking the time to sit with me today as I'm going through my, uh, my, my morning musings. I appreciate the comments, appreciate the likes, appreciate the follows that I've received today. Hope that this um, has been edifying to your souls on today. Um, I see not a whole lot of, um, let's see. Well, that's good. I love that. Love that. You are all irreplaceable. Value yourselves appropriately. Love yourselves and each other. Yes. Thank you for that. We need that's that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I appreciate that. Appreciate that and appreciate you. Um, you know, God has been so good to each and every one of us. Um, even those who don't believe, you know, God gives even them grace, you know, the grace and the patience to give them a chance to, 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 to follow him, but then just giving them the lives that they have all together. You know, those things, good gifts come without repentance. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. I mean, you know, God is just a gracious and merciful God and he's just been so good to each and every one of us, man. And so I do, um, appreciate and value y'all from the from the bottom of my heart, even those who don't believe. Who have been on the channel today um and have um you know um you know been saying the things they've been saying you know about not believing and that we're dumb and all this other type of stuff you know again you're willing to you feel how you want to feel um but i do make this appeal to those who don't believe you know i've been talking to the believers all day like as i'm starting to kind of navigate this space my wife and i were talking about it yesterday trying to figure out a, a way to navigate this space appropriately and how we want this channel to, um, or what we want this show to be about. Um, one, I love you. Love you so much for that. Um, and my appeal to anyone who's listening who is not a believer in Christ, this is my appeal to y'all today. Um, and it's probably going to be my appeal every day. I'll find a different type of way to say the same thing over and over again, but this is my appeal to y'all. You know, I see a lot of, agnostics and atheists who get onto Christian platforms 
Christian lives and Christian, you know, Christian things, and they rattle off the same reasons that they don't want to believe in God. Um, and that, you know, we believe in a fairy tale and we're believing in, you know, a God who is a monster, who, you know, endorsed slavery and all this other type of stuff. And, you know, and, you know, the Bible prescribes these things and all that type of stuff. And, and, and I, and, and I'm not an apologetic per se. Like, I'm not that dude. I don't want, like, I, 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 can, I can be that dude. But it just stirs up a lot of anger in me. And I, and, and, and I realize that the reason that it stirs a lot of anger in me is because I don't care as much about proving the existence of God. And God ministered to me on that thing this morning, late last night and early this morning. It's not my job to prove his existence to anybody. It's none of our jobs to, to prove the existence of God to anybody. When Paul was, um, before his name changed, which isn't true, what actually happened is that they switched from the, um, from the Israelite version of his name to the Greek version of his name. So his name was still Saul, you know, but depending upon where he was, would be determined what they would say, what they would call, what they would call him. That's another conversation for another day. So he didn't go from Saul to Paul when he got hit where I'm going, where I'm taking y'all. But before Saul's conversion, in the book of Acts. This man knew everything Bible. He knew everything Bible. If you go to Philippians chapter 3, he tells you, man, when it comes to uh, Hebrew, Hebrews, me, me, I, 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 me, I knew the Bible better than anybody. I knew the Old Testament better than anybody. I knew the scrolls and them texts better than anybody. You, you want to argue with somebody. And yet, it took God to convert him. God literally knocked him off his horse and made him blind and had a whole conversation with him and proved his existence to Paul. Man didn't do that. And it got me realizing man never has. Man has never proven the existence of God to anyone who needed a reason for God to exist. God just showed up. And if we're paying enough attention, we realize the hand of God being on our lives in such a way to where you don't need proof when you have an encounter with the Lord. So I make this appeal to my agnostics and my atheists today. If you're still on here and you're still watching. With what you know about the Bible. With what you've experienced in Christianity. With what you've dealt with from believers. From believers. Can you honestly say that you've had a relationship with the Lord? Can you honestly say that you've had an encounter, not a relationship, like an encounter with the Lord? Because I can give you 
And this is kind of my response to SK exclamation point if he's still watching. I can give you all of the evidence. I can point you to all the scriptures. I can point you to all of the texts. I can point you to the early church. I can point you to, you know, church history. I can point you to where we fell short, woefully short here in America when it comes to the faith and how we've been untangling that web ever since ever since 1865, in my opinion. I could point to you all these different these different archaeological findings, the digs, where people have found scrolls, found locations, found things that the Bible has described. I can I can point you in all those different directions. But unless the Lord encounters you, anything I point to you, you'll just use as ammunition to further harden your heart. So with this platform that I have, I'm not going to spend time trying to prove to you God's existence. Rather, I'm, I want to use this platform to give you an opportunity just to hear from a Christian who knows what you've been through. Because I, too, have, went, have been through deception. I've, I've had to deal with deconstructing my faith and reconstructing it by the power of God. I didn't do anything. It was all God taking the scales off my eyes and make, opening me up to some things that I needed to see and needed to know and needed to understand about him. It's all him, not me. I've been down the journey of, you know, is faith really real? I've been, I've been, I've been there. And all I know is that in all of my wanderings, God never left me. In all of my wanderings, God pulled me back in. He wouldn't let me go. And if you are on my live right now, it is not a coincidence. I know we believe in the TikTok, um, the, uh, the TikTok algorithm and all that jazz. But I tell people all the time, for you to find for the algorithm to decide from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to put me on your For You page. That's not coincidence to me. Because you could literally be listening and watching anybody else say anything else, do anything else. Listen, them NPCs, they are not playing. NBCs are not playing. They 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 want their money, and y'all are giving it to them in in spades. Okay, them NPCs are not playing, and y'all could be watching them right now. But instead of watching them, you're watching me. That's not a coincidence. Call it the algorithm if you want, but even the algorithm had to originate from somewhere. And God had to give somebody the wherewithal to think about building a platform for us to be able to share dialogue this way.
And so, at the end of the day, it's no coincidence that you're here. You're meant to be here. But, and so, again, it's not my job to prove to you. It's not my job to prove to you the existence of God. So I'm not going to waste this platform proving to those who already have heard from so many other people all the evidence that we have to prove his existence. It's not my job to prove his existence. I'm leaving that in the hands of God to show up in your life in such a way to where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that was nobody but God. And my hope and prayer is that this platform is giving us the space as believers to even to talk about some hard truths, to talk about some things that, you know, that, um, you know, are, are difficult for us to, to walk through and navigate, but to know that we're in this fight together and to encourage and uplift anyone who, you know, who wants to hear. Again, I, I've had at least 10 people consistently on this entire two-hour block. Y'all are awesome. I appreciate y'all for listening to me. Y'all, yeah, y'all be anywhere else doing anything else. Um, so I appreciate y'all for, sit, for spending some time with me today. Uh, but my hope and prayer moving forward is that this space be the space for y'all to just listen. You know, feel free to ask your questions. You know, and like I said, if you ask them at, at an appropriate time, you know, at the end of the block, then, you know, I'll be willing to try to answer them. But at the end of the day, if you're asking for proof of God's existence, I can't give that to you. Because nine times out of ten, the same thing that I've said, that I will say, is the same thing somebody else has already said. And so because you already know what I'm going to say, I'm not going to say it. Rather. I'll just throw it back at you. What do you think I'm going to say? Because I'm sure you've already asked this question to somebody else who believes like I believe, and they already gave you the answer that I would more than likely give you. So what is the point of asking me the question when you already have the answer and you already have the rebuttal? Because it's not going to get us anywhere. My hope and prayer is that after hearing the things that we say from one day to the next here on the True Gospel Morning Show, that will stir your heart up in such a way to where you're willing to love God, um, you know, um, willing to allow him to replace the, the heart of stone. Where not, I ain't even going to say where you're willing, where he just knocks you off your horse and replaces the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. So that way you can love him, honor him, and serve him like we all do, because as we said off the top, we love because God first loved us. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. Lord God, I thank you so, so much for this opportunity just to share truth, to share your word, to share your love, share your grace, share your forgiveness with the body of Christ. Lord God, I ask and pray that you just continue to lift us all in a mighty and powerful way, strengthen us, encourage us, embolden us to be more and more like you in everything that we say and do. 
Help us, God, to just, you know, be the children of God you've called us to be and to love like you love, to serve like you serve, to forgive like you forgive, to encourage like you encourage. Holy Spirit, continue just to rule in us. Remind us of what Christ accomplished for us, what he secured for us, what he did for us, Lord. Like, help us to remember, Holy Spirit, everything that Christ has accomplished and that he is sitting high and looking low and in a full-on relationship intimately with us by the fact that you live in us. By you living in us, God lives in us, and we are living and moving and having all being because of the spirit that resides in us. Lord God, for the ones who don't have a walk with you today, I make this appeal that you touch their hearts in a mighty and powerful way, that they may grow to love you, may grow to bless you, may grow to honor you. That wind sounds so good, Jesus. It sounds so good, but it's so scary at the same time. Um, and, and we love you for it on today. And so we're just asking and praying, God, that you just continue to strengthen and encourage and embolden us in such a mighty and powerful way um, to be able to speak truth to the unbelievers, that they may grow to love you as we love you, may grow to serve you like we serve you, may grow to honor you like we honor you, and be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor. Lord God, you are deserving of it and so much more. And I'm thankful that you thought it not robbery to give me the platform to be able to speak your truth to your people so that they may hear the true unadulterated gospel from at least one of your people. I'm one of many. I'm not great. You are great. And I'm grateful that you are great in me, that I may be great enough to say what you need to say, because what you have to say is so great. And so again, I just thank you, God. I give your name all praise, glory, and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all for watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy, Eddie D. I'll be back here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Um, uh, bring a friend, bring a stranger, bring some popcorn, bring your Bibles. Um, and uh, I love y'all, man. That y'all, 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 I thank y'all for the for the consistent folk that stayed on all, all show long. Y'all are, are rock stars in my book. And so I appreciate y'all so, so much. Um, and listen. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.